Good evening. Welcome to church. I'm here to give an introduction and to talk about Bible college because that starts tomorrow. Tomorrow. Um, so let's start. If you are teaching this semester, if you are teaching a class this semester, could you please stand up so that everyone can uh, take a gander at you? Awesome. Thank you. Okay. Everyone, you guys, okay, good job. All right. I was already standing, so I, was, I wasn't going to, okay. Hey, let's pray, and then let's go back to Proverbs 9 and, and talk about something we heard this morning. So, Jesus, we just ask you, Lord, please, to, to bless these few words to help us to uh, lean in close to you to hear your heart for us uh, and motivate a few people in this room, maybe possibly to come to Bible college tomorrow, to check it out sometime this week. We know that you do that, Lord. You work in people's hearts, and we just ask you to touch us this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. So a few uh, quick bits about the semester starting tomorrow. Uh, the first week, Monday through Friday, 15th through the 19th, that's open house week, meaning if you've never been to a class, you are welcome to join us for any of the classes. Classes run Monday, Tuesday, 6.10 to 8, uh, 6.10 to 10 p.m., and then Thursday, Friday, 6.10 to 10 p.m., and then we have morning classes, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday morning from 8.30 to 10.20. Now, throughout the semester, morning classes are always free to attend. So if you have time in your schedule on a Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday morning to come out to a class and be built up and edified, highly recommend. 8.30 to 10.20, no better place you can be. Um, Thursday evening's foundations, also a free class to sit in on. And Friday night church planning with Pastor Shabelli, another free class to sit in on. Uh, all the other classes you would sign up for regularly. If you haven't done so, you can talk to me after service, or you can stop in our office sometime this week and we can get you set up. Okay? So Proverbs 9 is the text, Proverbs 9. And we spoke about, uh, well, Pastor Schaller spoke about quite a bit in Proverbs chapter 9 this morning. And my task is to try to relate this to Bible college and, and uh, see if we can connect some dots here and make it, uh, make it make sense. So let's start with Proverbs 9 and verse 1. It says, Wisdom has builded her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. I'm just going to read the first three verses. She has killed her beasts. She has mingled her wine. She has also furnished her table. She has sent forth her maidens. She cries upon the highest places of the city. And then the message follows that, what she cries out. Uh, but the phrase that caught my attention was right there at the very beginning. Wisdom has builded her house. Uh, does anyone know off the top of their heads uh, what the first house that wisdom built in the Bible is? Metaphorically speaking, house. What's the first house that wisdom... Wisdom dwelt with God, Proverbs 8.22, before the foundations of the world. Wisdom is a way to describe Jesus Christ. Without Jesus Christ, in John chapter 1, verse 3, there is nothing made that was made. So what's the very first thing? Someone just said it. What is it? Eden. The Garden of Eden. 
The Garden of Eden is the first place that God built that he actually dwelt in. Uh, it says in Genesis chapter 2, maybe it's verse 8, that he built it. And then it says in Genesis 3, after Adam and Eve fell, it says they, were, uh, they heard the Spirit of the Lord walking in the garden. So he was there. That's the first dwelling place that God had outside of his heavenly throne, his heavenly home. He had the Garden of Eden, which he created. After the fall, God needed a new way to dwell with men. Does anyone know what came next in the book of Exodus? What did God ordain to be built or created that he would dwell with them? The tabernacle. Very good, very good. You guys got it. You're on point. Here we go. The tabernacle. He had very specific dimensions. You can read about it starting in Exodus chapter 25 and go through like seven or eight chapters. Everything about the tabernacle. Everything exactly the way that God wanted it. Why? Because his presence was going to dwell in it. It had to be just as perfect in a sense, as Eden was for him to be there. Okay, then we get past the tabernacle. Uh, a few kings begin to reign. We get to 1 Kings chapter 6, and something else is built where God's presence would one day be. What is that? Solomon's temple, the first temple, the temple of God. Okay, that's 1 Kings chapter 6. There's a really interesting verse in that chapter that talks about how all the stones were built outside of the temple and placed perfectly in its place so that there was no work done to the temple as it was built. It was just placed perfectly. I like to think of you and I as the stones that were worked on and worked on and worked on and hammered and then placed perfectly into the body of Christ. It's like a unique picture. This is where God would dwell. Uh, but then what happens? Jerusalem gets sacked. Uh, who comes in first? The Assyrians, then the Babylonians, then the Persians, and the temple was eventually destroyed. So where would God dwell then? What would happen next? Well, wisdom has builded her house. And actually, in, in, the, in the Hebrew, wisdom is plural. Wisdoms. Wisdoms has builded her houses. Many, starting from the Garden of Eden, tabernacle, temple, to... John chapter 1 and verse 14. Who has come to dwell amongst us? Jesus Christ. He has come to tabernacle amongst us. He has come to make his dwelling place with us. Wisdom has built her house. Then it says in John chapter 14, 23, you don't have to flip there. We're going to go back to Proverbs 9 in a second. John 14, 23. It says, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He will dwell with us. He will tabernacle with us. He has made a house. Wisdom has built her house. So then, Jesus walks the earth, lives perfectly, does no wrong, is cursed, is threatened, is beaten, is mocked, is scorned, is hung on a cross, and killed for our transgressions. So then, where will God dwell then? Where will God dwell then? Within us. Within us. Does it say this in our Bibles? I believe it does. Let me find it. Hold on. Is it First Peter? Let's check. Oh, no, no, no. I know where it's at. Hold on, hold on. Revelation 21, Revelation 21, 
This is actually at the very end, but I'm just going to jump ahead because it's the best part. Revelation 21, verse 3. There's a new heaven. There's a new earth. And it says, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Do you know that we all actually are 1 Kings 6 rocks that have been placed into the building of God according to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. 1 Peter 2.5 says, You also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So let me ask you something. If wisdom has built her house and that house went from heaven before time, before any of us could even comprehend, to the Garden of Eden, to the tabernacle, to the temple, to Christ being amongst us, to Christ being in our hearts, to the new creation where he is the center of everything in the light of the entire world. Where does he dwell right now? In this place, with us. Wisdom has built her house in us. So where do we gather apart from church? Here comes here it comes. Where do we gather apart from church? Bible college. Hey. Hey. All that spiritual talk to say come to Bible college. Come to Bible college. Let me say one more thing, Proverbs chapter 9. I could talk about it a lot, but I just want to keep it really really simple. Proverbs chapter 9. There's actually two messages given here in Proverbs chapter 9. There's the message of wisdom and what wisdom has done, where wisdom dwells, what wisdom says. Look at verses 4 through 6. Whoso is simple, let him turn in here. As for him that wants understanding, she says to him, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine which I have mingled. Forsake the foolish and live and go in the way of understanding. You could break that down into years of Bible college if you want. Your first year, whoever is simple, come in, turn in here. You know the first thing you learn when you get to Bible college? 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Knowledge puffs up, love edifies. As soon as a man thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing the way that he ought to know it. That's the first thing you learn when you come to Bible college. I didn't know a thing the way that God would have us know it. Through love, not through knowledge, not through vainglory, not through being puffed up, through love. Humility and growth takes place from a very low place of, of learning to rely on Christ. Okay, the other message at the end of Proverbs chapter 9 starts in verse 13, and it's depicted much the same wisdom is depicted as a woman. Verse 13, a foolish woman is clamorous, simple, and knows nothing. She also sits at the door to her house on a seat in the high places of the city and also calls out to people, whoso is simple, let him turn in here, and as for him that wants understanding, she says to him a different message. Stolen waters are sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. You have wisdom dwelling in you, calling out to you, speaking to you through pastors, teachers, preachers, whatever the case may be, Bible studies, prayer times, whatever the case may be. And it has a really particular message. It's full of grace and full of truth because that's what Christ was full of when he came to the earth and that's what we are filled with as he fills us. And the other message is deceit, dishonor, stolen waters, bread eaten in secret. 
temporary pleasures that don't last for more than five seconds, maybe. Uh, There's a proverb that says, as soon as you take it to your mouth, it turns into gravel. As soon as you partake, it turns into gravel, and then you you got to be the one to swallow that. Good luck with that. So what are we doing here tonight? What are we doing in church? We're being filled with the Word of God. What do we do at Bible college? We get filled with the Word of God. What are we doing here at church tonight? We're fellowshipping with the body. We're learning to commune with Christ. Uh, Wisdom has built her house and set her table for us. We can do that wherever we are surrounded by other believers. So I encourage you, if you are not signed up in any way, shape, or form, you do not have to sign up. Come to the open house and enjoy uh, what you hear and how you're taught. Okay? In Jesus' name. I'm going to call on somebody just spontaneously, so this is what I'm going to say to you. I'm going to say to you just... Do you have one short word? Okay, do you have one short word that's edifying and uh, builds up people? Okay, so turn to your neighbor, do a trial run on that. Do you have one, one short word that is edifying? Okay, because um, I might call on you. Okay. Okay, so when you give an answer, I know I might not be able to hear you, so say it loudly, then I'll repeat it, okay? Uh, so how about Pastor Pete Wistera? What have you and Debbie been talking about right now? Okay, how about Giovanni? Everybody has a gift, and the, the gifts are people. Four people. Four people? Yeah, everybody has a gift, and the gift is four people. Wow, good word. You know, um, somebody said um, that jealousy is that I'm looking at people above me but one way to deal with jealousy is to care about the people that are below me or the people that are around me. I don't think that we think of above or below, but I think you get the idea. You're jealous of somebody greater, but but that's good that they are greater, Hebrews 7, 7. But the, ba- the best way to deal with that is to care about, about others that don't have, you know. Okay, another one. Uh, Daryl Jones. Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are true, think on those things. Kathy Grunwald. Power of the blood of Christ scatters the demons in the atmosphere, right? They they flee, yeah. Where two, the Jewish people, the Lord said, if you obey me, two will put a hundred to flight, right? 
and a hundred will put 10,000 Philistines to flight. So the proportion is, is extraordinary. You add believers, and the authority we have in the atmosphere is phenomenal. Okay, Sirpa. Wisdom is what? I'm sorry, you can't hear. Wisdom is the principal thing. Proverbs 4, verse 8. Wisdom, therefore, with all you're getting, get wisdom. Yeah. Get wisdom. Uh, so we, that was our theme this morning. It was, um, it was on, our, on the subject of wisdom, and we'll, we'll, we'll do it again tonight for a few minutes. We'll teach on that. That's very good. Okay, Jesse, you have something? Exodus 34, 6. God before goes before us, and we're encouraged uh, where we are at. Mm-hmm. Okay. How about one, uh, one of the ladies here? Cheryl? Wow, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. Is that Psalm 34? Verse Peter. Okay. All right. How about Pastor Andrew Garner? Beautiful. He was thinking of love. Love is the greatest gift, the more excellent way, loving, loving the lost, loving each other. What a great gift that is, love. Wow. Beautiful. Love. Love edifies. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. In my father's house, right? Uh, in the house that wisdom built. And did you catch that part of chapter 9 where there is another one out in the street calling? And they they calling and saying, stolen bread is sweet. And what is it? Stolen waters are sweet. And bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Or stolen bread is pleasant. Ed, could you ever get twisted and the thing that is evil is something you enjoy, like stolen bread is pleasant, like cursing is pleasant, lying and cheating is pleasant. I enjoy being deceitful or hateful. I enjoy jealousy. I enjoy division. I enjoy hatred. Could that happen? It can, because we have a sin nature. But we are learning something else, okay? So um, how about, do we have one more? Let's see, one of the, how about Maggie Lockhart? The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Yeah, well...
who will perfect that which concerns me. Wow. Okay. How about from Culpeper, Virginia? Which one is it? Michael? Pastor Tom? Is that Michael? Okay. We can Michael, we can either put it on you or on your pastor. You can decide. Beautiful. We were not redeemed by corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ who bought us. He bought us. We belong to God. Wow. We are his jewels in Malachi 3. We belong to God. He owns us at great price. Great price he gave his son. They're very expensive. Turn to your neighbor and just say, you're very expensive. You're very expensive. Cost you a, they cost a lot to save you. Pastor Carl, good to see you. Pastor Carl, do you have a word? Romans 8. Verse Yet all these things, what? Romans 8, 37, isn't it? Yeah, and they, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Yeah. They, all these things, you led as a sheep to the slaughter. I heard that when you bring a pig to slaughter, it squeals. It squeals like hell. It just makes a big fuss. But a sheep doesn't even make a sound. Bah, like that, maybe. Like maybe. It makes a sound like that. It goes. So we are people, Psalm 44, we are people that are brought to the slaughter. But even when it looks so bad, we are sheep that go to the slaughter. But, but we are more than conquerors when we are going to the slaughter. When your enemy has authority over you and you go to the slaughter, you are persecuted or murdered, tortured, destroyed. Even then, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Because we have overcome the world, overcome death, we've overcome our enemies because Christ did. Because Christ did, it's imputed to us. We have this status that we are more than conquerors. I don't may not, may not look like it, but I am more than a conqueror. And this momentary affliction is only momentary. And it works for me a far greater degree of glory. Right? Romans 8, verse 17. What a treasure that is. Okay, let's go to our, our message now. Turn to Proverbs with me. By the way, Pastor Matt, that was an awesome message. Well, that was so good. And I want you to just notice a couple points here. Proverbs 2, verse 1. My son, if you receive my words. Verse chapter 3, verse 1. Maybe throw these up on the screen. Thank you. My son, do not forget my law. Chapter uh, 4, verse 1. Hear my children, the instruction of a father. 
Chapter 5, verse 1, my son, pay attention. Chapter 6, verse 1, my son. And then chapter 7, verse 1, my son. What is the point here? It's a manual. The book of Proverbs is an instruction book for its children, young men. It's an instruction book on life. How to navigate in life. Because as we said this morning, there are things in our society that we don't learn. That, uh, that in our world we, we, we have um, houses, we have houses of science, we have houses of morality like religion, we have a house of, of um, good behavior, we have a house of religion and so on. We have all of these schools, all of these universities. We have all of these communities. We have um, LGBTQ, whatever, all kinds of movements and ideologies. We have communism, and we have all kinds of ideas. We have families, we have tradition, and so on. But where do we get wisdom? Where can we find wisdom? Wisdom has built her house, hewn out seven pillars. It was we, we said this morning, so we put down some pillars here in this house. And you know how I like to draw, so bear with me. So we have the question, what are those seven pillars, actually? Are they foreknowledge? I, is it a pillar of predestination to be conformed to the image of Christ? Wisdom will finish the work, like Maggie Lockhart said. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Is this house, can it be destroyed? Is this house firm and solid? And yes, the chief cornerstone of the house is is Christ. Then in a practical way, how do I get it? Well, there's a school of wisdom. And there are certain elements to enter in to this place where you gain wisdom. Our mentors, our fathers in the faith, the saints of God that have taught us to be faithful. The 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 saints that have learned to walk with God, make decisions in their suffering. In their confusion, in their trouble, they found they knew God. They knew how to walk with God. They found God, and they walked with God. So we said that, actually, Timothy Keller, one of the things he said, he said, 80% of our decisions, our problems, and things we have to decide are not found in science. They are not found in morality. Like, for example, you know, good and bad, good and bad, good and bad. We all believe we should be good people, but when I have to make a decision about where I live, the answer could be many places because there it can be good to live there, it could be good to live there. I need wisdom. 
because good and bad cannot give me the guidance that I need. What career do I go into? Um, who are my friends? Like, will I get married or not? How do I handle my money? Do I give my money away or do I, I, I find money? I look for money. I'm driven by money or the lack of it, poverty. Poverty is a difficult thing. How can I get wisdom uh, so that I am able to navigate with these problems or sickness like cancer or the death of a loved one? How do I navigate? I need wisdom. Where do I get it? In a school, the body of Christ, my mentors, rabbis. Rabbis would teach their their people to the young people, you need me, you need a rabbi, you need a teacher, you need more than one teacher, you need a counselors, you need to make decisions with wisdom. And there are people that are that are around us that will have wisdom. We could find wisdom and find it, and there's a way to get in and find it. It's by the Spirit of God, by the Spirit filling us. When we come together, we are leaving our things at the cross, and we're asking God to fill us with the Spirit and so that we can hear and receive what God has to say to our hearts. Guys, my heart is an important part of my life. Like wisdom, it's like saying to Jesus, Jesus, touch my heart. I'm cold. Touch my heart. Move me. I want to repent. I can't repent. But if you touch my heart and draw me after you, I want to be drawn by a person. I want wisdom is a person. And that wisdom in you and with you and this fellowship, and then we repent. I repent. I don't like that thing anymore. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm done with it. I'm finished with it. I repent. I stop it. I, I'm not interested. I'm going after God, and he's touching my heart and filling me with his spirit. And I'm drinking, desiring the sincere milk of the word, and I heard it tonight at the beginning of our our message from different people in the audience, how they know the word or live by the word or they make decisions with the word. That's a beautiful thing. Let me finish. I'm finishing in a minute here. I want to show you something where there are people that do not enter into that house. And why they don't. I'll show it to you in Matthew 22. We have the, there's a number of stories here in Matthew 22 from verse 15 to verse 40. I will not read it all, but you get the idea of what we want to say. Then the Pharisees, verse 15, then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. Wait a minute. This man is the greater than Solomon. He is greater than Solomon. And you want to entangle him in his talk. 
Yes, we want to catch him in his talk. Wait a minute. You have a religion. You see, they're in one of these houses here. They're in one of these houses. But their house cannot navigate in life. Their house cannot navigate. They don't fit. And when Jesus comes, they, in their house, are thinking how they can catch him, not how they can be submitted to him. They want to destroy him. They want to catch him. They don't have humility. They're not interested in God. They're not broken. And that can happen to us as believers. But the way you enter the house is with humility. But these people are, are, are not that way. Look at the, the story. Verse 16. And they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians saying, Teacher, we know that you are true. And teach the way of God and truth. What's that called? That's flattery. That's hypocrisy. They are lying. They are deceitful. They are baiting him. They are baiting wisdom. Can you, can you do that? Now, it, it's foolish. But here, here let's, let's say, make a point here about this. A foolish person is wrong and they don't know it. They, they don't believe they are wrong. They don't believe they are wrong. They are thinking we can entangle Jesus. It's like, are you kidding me? You can entangle Jesus? You can entangle? Yes, we can. They are foolish because they don't know how wrong they are. They don't see it. But a wise person is the opposite. He believes he is wrong. I believe I am. And I need God. I can't live this life. I can't live this. I already know that. I, I learned that a long time ago. I don't know what's going on. I need help. I need help. It's simple. How do you get wisdom? It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. But that's what a foolish person does. They lean on their own understanding. And they say, I got this. I got this. I got this. I can do this. I can live this life. I got a lot of money. You don't know who you're talking to. I'm at the top of my game. I got it covered. I got the whole thing down. Don't worry about me. I can do it. And that's a foolish person. But a wise person is another way. He's not demeaning himself. He is in a good way knowing he has talent, he has ability, he has something, but he knows it's not enough. He knows he doesn't have what he needs to keep his marriage together. He knows he doesn't have what it, need, what it takes to have something go in the right way. He, there are so many CEOs and big leaders of big companies and everything. They're very skillful and they're very smart. But why do they go home to an empty house? Why is their teenager not talking to them? Why have they lost friends? Why do they have with their big, with everything working in a great way in one sense? 
Right? The big question about life isn't that you have a big bank account or you have a lot of power. The big thing in life is, is have you found the meaning of life, the reality of God? Have you found love? Have, are you humble? Have you found Jesus? Have you found the meaning? Can you navigate in a world that cannot be figured out? You think they, people think they can figure it out. Yeah, I got it all figured. No, you don't. The minute you get a cancer report, your world collapses. The minute, the minute you fail in some area that your world comes out. And I'm not happy. I'm not, I'm not gloating in that. I'm, nor am I talking down to anybody. I'm just trying to help us understand. This book of Proverbs says, Wisdom is the principal thing, and with all of our getting, get it. And it's better than gold and silver, better than rubies. It's better than anything you can imagine. It will make your life work. It'll make our lives work. It'll help us. Okay, let's go to the text, and we'll finish up here. It says, Teacher, we know that you are true. Can't you hear that? And teach the way of God in truth. Nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Jesus perceived their wickedness. And said, why do you test me, you hypocrites? Bam. Bam. Wow. Is Jesus refreshing or what? Is he free? Jesus is free. Why is Jesus so free? Because he has no sin. When you have no sin, you have real liberty. When you have no sin, you're not afraid. When you have no sin, you can tell the truth. When you have no you sin, have we have, Jesus is the only one who had no sin, but he had this liberty, and he, he could tell it like, like it was, and he discerned it. Okay. These people are missing it. And watch what happens to them. Show me the tax money, he said. So they brought him a denarius. He said... Whose image and inscription is this? Now, you can't get that kind of wisdom. You know, you cannot get that wisdom just anywhere. This, this answer is from God. And it silences these people. And they go away. And I wonder how many were corrected by it and how many continued in their hypocrisy. We don't know. But our prayer, our hope in life is that we'll be corrected when wisdom comes our way. I hope in our life we will be humble enough to be submitted to it and say, I need that. Go ahead, tell me, Jesus. Go ahead, talk to me. Look at what happens in the story. It says, they said to him, Caesar's. And he said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. I'm not focusing on the answer, but I'm focusing on those people, those people that need him and they don't have him. 
And what happens, verse 32, I'm sorry, 22. When they had heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. They marveled at it. That was amazing. There's two ways you could say um, that was amazing answer. Man, that's, he's, a, he's an amazing teacher. I'm going to go back and listen to him. And, and I'm submitted. I'm submitted. I'm going to get that. I want that. That feeds me. That builds me up. That is spiritual wisdom. I receive it, Jesus, and I apologize or I repent for my attitude. Thank you. Others, no. They, they just or decide they're, they're blind and they go their way. Isn't that interesting? Another story in the same the same vein is um, there's three of them in this chapter, but we will not read them all. But it's the Sadducees, verse 23, down through verse 33. We'll read 33, 22, 33. When the multitudes heard, multitudes heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. Another, another uh, story where they had this impact of this uh, ministry of wisdom to the heart. My son, my son, my children, it's so important. And the way to enter into it is to be spirit-filled. And what we must do, like here, like this, maybe the point here, the first one here in this, slide here is that we have to realize we are foolish so that we can become wise. We have to realize I don't know how to buy a used car. I don't know where I should live. I don't know if I should get married and who I would marry if I have the choice or not. I do not know where I will be 10 years from tonight if I will be alive or not or be with God. I do not know how to navigate in this world. And and I'm even though I'm saying these things, I'm the pastor here and, and behind the pulpit, and I am saying these things, but I know that I cannot figure life out. Why are people massacred in the Middle East? Why do children die at a young age? Why are families broken to pieces by the devil? Martin Luther Martin Luther, the German monk. I'll finish with this story because it's very touching to me. In his village, there was a little boy, 10 years old, who hanged himself. He committed suicide, 10-year-old boy. And the Catholics refused to bury him in the cemetery because he had committed suicide, which was an unforgivable sin in the Catholic teaching. Martin Luther protested. He goes, no. He should be buried in the Catholic cemetery. There's nothing wrong. He, he, he is a victim. And Martin Luther said, if you go into the woods and you're robbed by thieves and you're beaten to death or you're beaten badly and they rob everything, are you to be blamed? Are you to be blamed for that? So he's saying that 10-year-old boy didn't know what he was doing. We don't know why he did it. We don't know what got into his mind. 
Why would he do such a thing? He's a 10-year-old boy. So he kind of indicated for him, if you follow the story. I'm, I'm bringing up this story to say something. When you think, you and I think we know about this world, it'd be good for us to get real humble before God and say, Lord, I know so little. I don't understand why the devil would beat and destroy and pillage and, and steal and murder. The devil is a murderer. And why that would happen, I do not know, but it happens to us. I do not know. I One time I had this idea about spiritual Christians and and just thinking of their victories and everything they do kind of being so victorious and so on. And then I lived a little longer and I realized that I do not know God's ways. And I need him in his wisdom and help us, Lord. I think he will give it to us. We'll be surrounded by people that will help us, the word the spirit, the body, and help carry us with humility in a life that's fruitful and joyful. And when you get hit hard, when something messes you up, when your life is messed up, when you get hit hard by the, in this world that we live in, that, that, that's fine. There's God. And don't get it in your mind that your life has to be this way. No. Suffering is used by God to make us deeper. Suffering is used by God so that we can comfort others who need comfort. No, suffering is part of life. And it's ordained of God. And we can find God's heart and God's wisdom in life. And you cannot say... You cannot package it and say, I got it. I got it all figured out. No, I cannot. Ask the Apostle Paul. You say, I cannot. But no, in all these things, we're more than conquerors. And we've gained wisdom from God in his plan and in his mind, in his way. And his ways are not ours. So let us be real humble before him and gain what we need to live and finish our course with joy. Okay? Amen. You should pray for me. <clears throat> Lord, wisdom would say, pray without ceasing. Wisdom would say, rejoice always. Wisdom would say, study to show yourself approved. Wisdom would say to rejoice and have body members, wise people around us. Uh, wisdom would say, be patient. Wisdom would say, lift up your eyes, look on the fields, they are white for harvest. Wisdom would say, you have, so then therefore share it and give it, share it. Wisdom has a lot to say to us. Thank you, Lord, for that. Then anyone listening who doesn't have Jesus in your heart, open your heart to Jesus Christ. He is your Savior. 
He is the one that will speak to you. He is the one that will lead you and guide you. Be humble and trust in him with all your heart. Start walking with God tonight, today, tonight. Start walking with God. Walk with God. He will fill you. Give you love and joy and peace in your heart and teach you. Give you new life. Do a new purpose, an eternal purpose. In Christ's name, say that prayer to God. He will answer you. In Jesus' name, amen.